0: There's a line in the morning chanting that says, All of us are bound by birth, aging, and death, by sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair, bound by dukkha and obstructed by dukkha. And whenever... A group of us gets together, I'm reminded how true this is, and I also remember when I started spending time at the monastery and I would chant these lines and I would think, I'm not bound by dukkha, <laughs> but I was suffering so much, and it's hard to accept Sometimes that it's, it's the nature of this life to be faced with suffering or to experience suffering, to feel that suffering deep within us. And of course it has different flavors, as you well know. It can appear to be associated with conditions, you know, we lose someone or something, some kind of squashed hope or challenges in relationships or work or health. It can feel like this huge hole that we try to fill. I know in my case, it just, there was this deep ache or emptiness or something very painful. And the funny part was, no matter how good it was in my life, that was somehow still there, and even small things would bring it out. And I, and I feel like I kept trying to identify the cause outside myself and the conditions around me. But if I actually look at those conditions, they weren't so bad. Or maybe they were. But whether they were or not, that dukkha was still there, that suffering, that um, inner emotional pain. Particularly when it manifests as some idea about ourselves, like I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy. I, I mentioned this the other day. Um and the person i was talking to said just immediately came back with well i didn't have a religious upbringing so i don't have that <laughs> and i thought wow what an interesting what an interesting thing and there's some truth to that in my case that the the religious and cultural idea was somehow that you start out bad It's kind of sad, isn't it? But the truth, I believe, is that this dukkha and its many ways that it's experienced and manifestations is really just built into this experience of life, impermanent existence. And that is what the Buddha said. Right, we're all bound. We we are here in this experience. It's really quite absurd if you think about it, um, and we're all going to die, <laughs> and um, there's no way around it. And there's a, there's a real value in being able to recognize it we're not alone in this, that this is replicated in its own, so with its own sort of coloration again and again and again. There are many, many other people experiencing pretty close to the same thing we are. Um, and there's there's an, a, you come to a place where you start to accept that as as nature, because it is. I remember um, Tenzin Palma once told a story, by the way, she's gonna come to teach here next year with Ayasanta Chita and Aya Nanda Bodhi, gonna watch for that. And she's, she's, uh, in case you haven't heard of her, she's a Western uh, woman who became a Tibetan nun and she's been a nun for a long time and she spent many years in a cave and she said that once, when she was living in the cave, a woman who was helping her um, had to take care of something, and she left her baby with her to take care of for you know while she went out and did whatever she had to do. And so Tenzin Palmo's got this baby, and the baby is crying and crying and crying, and crying. She's done everything she knows to to calm him. And then she said, she looked down at the baby, and she said. Look. This is Sansara. And the baby looked up and just stopped. <laughs> That's us. <laughs> yeah. But we we have this way of trying to locate the problem outside of ourselves it, it, to find some reason for this awful feeling. It's got to be the fact that the manager was disrespectful to me <laughs> or <laughs> something, you know, and, and the manager might have been really disrespectful and she cut that out. You know, maybe we should change jobs, but the reality is it's going to happen again in some form, as long as that in there is unresolved. And what is that? What if we stop trying to find the cause outside ourselves, and we actually turn towards that? And even though we may know that we should do that we've got at least 150 ways of backing off (laughs) escaping turning the other way and finding some reason why we shouldn't look at that or maybe we even really do like stay there with it but we don't really know how to help it move or how to wait for it to move in a way that actually relieves it. So we, if we look closely, I would say, at what the Buddha taught, he said, turn towards this suffering, be with it, and come to understand it. I worked with someone who came up with this um, model, and there are a number of these models out there that help us look and stay with and and heal. This particular one was um, a therapist who wrote a book called Undefended Love, And she happened to have an office very close to the spiritual center where I was participating, so I worked with her for a couple years. And it wasn't therapy, I would say. It was her guiding me through being present with my own suffering and noticing when I was pulling away from it and helping me come back to it and then showing me that I would actually cling to it and cause it to get paralyzed there. And then I would start getting depressed. And she said, stop, let go, let go of it. <laughs> so finding that, that that medium of being with it and not and not grasping it and not getting swept up in it. But it wasn't until I really looked at what the Buddha taught in its entirety. I'm not trying to say that I know everything the Buddha taught. It's so vast and rich. Because he taught for 45 years and we've got all these beautiful volumes um, of his words or at least the most faithful account that we have. um, Of his words and they work really well so i figure that's good enough for me <laughs> so it's it's this this idea that there are these different pieces of what we we need to do in order to actually change that holding of suffering inside And some of those parts we don't like very much, so we want to jump over them. We want to get to the high stuff because we don't want to mess around with, you know, but the messing around with those sort of preliminary steps is really crucial. Getting very clear and meticulous about virtue without being rigid and Puritanical. And practicing meditation and and developing the ability to know when the method we're using doesn't work. It's not leading to more peace in the mind, it's leading to more distraction or anxiety or Movement, recognizing when the advice that a teacher gives us is actually helping, or if it's not, and really, really using our discernment, and not to actually not to blame, because that's the problem: we blame out here. We blame, um, but to but to see that it has to be picked up in the right way, and it has to be what fits for us in the experience we're having now and we can easily say well i've heard all these things there's too many tools or there's not enough tools or there's uh, this teacher didn't didn't listen to me in the right way or um didn't say the right thing or you know my partner's this way or my kids are like that It's not to say that any of that is untrue, it's just that that's not where the action is. The action's here, inside. And that's the hardest thing to accept. Then I actually have the responsibility for this dukkha that I'm bound by. I have the responsibility to unlock that and I'm the only one who can. There's this quote that I see in the Sri Lankan temples often that, you know, the Buddha can point the way, but we have to walk the path. And that's the blessing and the curse, right? Because it's really up to us. And that means we've got the power And each of us needs to develop a certain amount of faith. Faith that it can be done, faith that we can do it. As I said last night, I know faith doesn't, you know, that word doesn't go down well with everybody because many of us do come out of a, a culture where faith is the goal You just have to have faith. But that's not how it's used in Buddhism. Faith isn't a goal, it's a means. And a lot of people like the word conviction better. Also, faith isn't blind in Buddhism. It's constantly being balanced by wisdom. because we have to look we have to have enough faith in what the buddha taught that we're willing to try the things that we don't we haven't seen work yet and we're willing to accept the ideas that he said this is when he said this is what he saw and this is what he learned and this is what he experienced and he knew that this is what beings experience and it works this way but we haven't seen that for ourselves yet we have to have enough faith to, to hold our minds open that that's true or may be true until we can see it for ourselves. Otherwise, we start making our own, our own religion, our own philosophy, and it's going to be as limited as our defilements. But if we can open our hearts enough to bring in a certain amount of faith. Faith that we can do this. Faith that the Buddha did it. He found the way through. He experienced it. And how do you develop that? Well, one way is to actually read his, his teachings, read the Nikayas, um, the, the discourses. And talk about them with friends and see how they apply to life. Your life and my life. I mean, it's amazing to me that more than 2,500 years ago, people were dealing with the exact same stuff we're dealing with. For all our advancements in technology and whatever, that hole in the heart, that, that experience of greed, hatred, and delusion, that pain... That was the same then. That wishing to be more than we are or um, to be something. Same thing then. And it's it's really inspiring to me when I read what the Buddha said to people because people from all walks of life came to him. Oh, the, the kings and the the ministers and the priests and Brahmins and the robbers and the prostitutes and the mothers and the grandmothers and the merchants and just every, the beggars. Everybody shows up in these pages <laughs> and we can relate to their stories because those stories are still happening today. And this system that the Buddha laid out for us really works. So we can look at the texts, and then we can look at the people who have followed it. And we can see that they've changed, and their lives change and when you start when you get to know someone for example who's gone through so much themselves and then they get to a place where life brings all of its disruption and change and loss and gain and all the rest and they're fine and filled with love. And they're keeping virtue. And they're practicing. And you draw close to a person like that, and you learn from them. There was a question about teachers, and um, we have to really look, look into our teachers and see that they're doing the things that make the path work and that, that it's alive in their life and they would never lead us astray and that's good to know that you don't have to just have one teacher because different things come that are useful at different times from different people So when we see people like that and we get to look into their lives and, and see how it works for them, then our faith can grow. Our faith in the path can grow. That people today are waking up, and you're waking up. and. It's important to take the things in and put our attention on those things that will help our faith to grow. Our confidence. Our confidence in ourselves, our confidence in one another, in our teachers and in the Buddha and the Dhamma. The Sangha is the enlightened ones, at some stage of enlightenment, that are setting good examples. It's so fun to see people come to the monastery and start to pick up precepts and actually their lives are changing in this beautiful way and you can see them glowing week after week, they're glowing (laughs) and um, it's pretty simple really. And then of course everybody reaches those tough patches where it feels like a total grind and nothing's happening And there's the need for patience and persistence and friendship. And then you think you've got it all nailed and you're doing great and some big thing comes along and bowls you over and then you pick yourself up and you face that one. And then you're stronger for the next bit. And it's all part of it and it's okay. There's nothing wrong. It's just samsara. There's nothing wrong. When you go to bed at night, review the things you did that day that were good and the things you avoided that were not good. Remind yourself of your own virtue and your own capacity to love. because what we put our attention on grows. And when we catch ourselves trying to blame what's outside of us, just notice that and remember that it's probably not gonna help. that. So now we have some time for yoga, walking meditation, and group practice discussion. And our plan, because there were so many lovely questions in the basket, we have no idea what's still in the basket because we like being surprised. (laughs) Um, We're going to have Q&A again tonight. And we're not going to take more questions, right? Because there's like, in there already so um, that'll come later and be sure to bring your questions to the sessions I mean this is this is our chance and um, you know the the line after all those lines of bound by dukkha obstructed by dukkha sorrow lamentation pain grief and despair let's all aspire to the complete freedom from suffering That's what we're doing. Okay.